if you are not matching up to inflation, you could be losing money. And you're right. It's, this is not your typical 2 to 3% increase per year that we deal with that keeps things in a steady line. But the other side of that is, are we going to be in a position at some point where we price ourselves out of service? It's something that we've heard Karen Felstead talk about before. And when is that line? We don't know. Hello, Positive Leaders. Thanks for joining us today. You are listening to the Positive Leadership Podcast with Andrea Crabtree and David List, a podcast for everything a veterinary manager needs to know to get the job done. We've been there and we know how hard it is and are here to help share our knowledge and expertise to elevate you. I'm Andrea Crabtree, co-founder of Positive Leadership Podcast, owner of FurPause Consulting, a certified veterinary practice manager, and HR certified professional. And I'm David Liss, co-founder of the Positive Leadership Podcast. I'm also a certified veterinary practice manager, hold an MBA, and I'm a registered veterinary technician. And this podcast is for you, the veterinary practice manager, supervisor, leader. We want to elevate you by equipping you with relevant content, material, guidelines, instruction, feedback, and pro tricks and tips. We will deliver real life experience along with our super smart guests that will get you through the obstacles that you're facing today with some bloopers and blunders along the way to remind you that you're not alone. FurPaws Consulting has deep expertise in helping veterinary practices reach their full potential for all types of practices, whether specialty, emergency, or general practice, by working alongside the practice owner and manager. Are you a practice owner or practice manager with a challenge and not enough bandwidth to tackle it? Reach out to me, Andrea Crabtree, owner of FurPaws Consulting, with the question that keeps you up at night. I'm able to provide expertise and insight to navigate those tricky obstacles. Find my info in the show notes, email me at andrea at furpaws.us, or check out my website at www.furpawsconsulting.com. Welcome back, positive leadership listeners. Today, we have a very amazing and special guest, Meg Oliver. She is the practice manager at Cicero Animal Clinic. She has an associate's and a bachelor's in arts, and she is a CVPM as well. Meg, welcome to the show. Welcome, Meg. Well, thanks. Thanks. Amazing. That was a little far-fetched lead-in, but I appreciate it. Hey, nothing but the best for you, lady. (laughs) (laughs) Without having to read your bio, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got to be where you are today? Sure. So I started in veterinary medicine, I believe, in 96, 96 or 98. My mother was a bookkeeper for a local veterinarian who owned four or five different local hospitals. And as a kid, if you know you were sick and you had to stay home from school, you went to the animal hospital and sat in the office with a blanket. So after doing that for so many years, eventually I was allowed to go up front and pull charts for the next day. And when I was 15, I got my underage working papers and started working as a receptionist and just worked my way up over the years. And I did choose to go to school for other things. And uh, it's kind of funny because I said, I will never stay in veterinary medicine. And I decided to get an associate's in humanities and social science, which to me, at least in my opinion at the time was the, I really don't know what I need a bachelor's in. So I'm just going to do this degree instead. And then I went to pursue a bachelor's in theater and performing arts. 
But the entire time, I still worked in veterinary medicine on the side. I never truly left. And I was working in Buffalo, New York, and I ended up coming back home to Syracuse. And when I came home in 2012, the practice that I had worked at in my late teens, the practice manager was retiring and the practice owner reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in interviewing for the position. And I did. And uh, when I had worked for her back in 2001, 2002, I just really enjoyed working for her. I, I thought that we really communicated well and saw things the same way. So I went and interviewed with her and I took the job and I've been at Cicero Animal Clinic ever since. So this October will be uh, my 10 years as a practice manager. And then I ended up going for my CVPM, got that in 2018. I am also a mother of three. I have a wonderful husband, Rob, and I have a just about four-year-old daughter named Faye. And I recently, at the ripe old age of 39, going into 40, had a set of identical twin boys. So they're just about to turn one. So that's a, you know, a huge challenge for me to try to manage family and work at the same time. And I also own a non-for-profit, which is a veterinary emergency fund for patients in our area that lack financing. And it's for patients, obviously, for their medical needs, but it's also for raising mental awareness around the veterinary career and the fact that it affects people to have to say, no, I can't help you. So those are all the things that I do. It's a little exhausting, but it's yeah, a time. that's a lot. <laughs> Especially twins. That's a lot. I drink a lot of coffee. Yeah, I guess so. Can you mention the name of your nonprofit for our listeners? Sure. It's CNY Pet Emergency Fund. Fantastic. I love it. Well, we are very blessed in veterinary medicine that you have stayed since you uh, started <laughs> off thinking you wouldn't. Can you share your favorite book or podcast or CE, something that had a lasting impression on you? It's really hard, I think, to come up with something in a professional veterinary manner just because there's so many that I really like. So I think I'll take this one personal and I will say you got it. My favorite book is Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. Oh, yeah. And I love that book. <laughs> I have read it so many times. I love the nostalgia of it. I love the story. I grew up in the 80s and it hits on yeah. just every single thing I remember as a kid and that I love. And my husband teases me because I've read it so many times and I listen to Audible a lot. And when I have sort of a period of time where I can't really figure out what to read next, I always go back to the audio <laughs> version of oh, Ready Player One that's done by Will Wheaton. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. It's, yeah. it's nerd galore. It's fantastic. <laughs> but it always awesome. makes me happy. No matter how stressed I am, always makes me happy. So that's my sort of go-to feel-good thing. What did you nice. think of the movie? Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> my husband, I was so excited and my husband looked over at me and he said, I right. knew you were pissed off right away because yeah. your face is so easy to read and you had your arms crossed. Mm -hmm. And from minute one, I was like, this is nothing like the book. Why did you even bother? And I, I you know, I don't want to be one of those sticklers to the book, but I thought right. it was terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> no surprise crazy. there. So I want to congratulate you on an article you published in the Vet Success blog. It looks like it's dated June 7th. U.S. economy creeping toward recession. What veterinary practices should keep an eye on? So, you know, we've heard a lot of hubbub in the news about inflation and recession. 
And, you know, we think about the fact that just like a veterinary practice, we want a business, i.e. the business of the economy to do new stuff every year and do a little bit better. And so the GDP, the gross domestic product, which is like all of the economics and business and, and production of an economy usually is like a couple percent every year. You know, you always do a little bit more than you did last year. So a recession is literally just like negative, right? Like it's a slowdown of the economy. And that's scary, right? Because you lose jobs, you lose productivity, you want a car, you can have to wait six months, like there's all these things that happen. So what prompted you to write this article? And you covered a lot of great stuff, like on pricing and, sh- and staffing, which we're all dealing with and burnout, and even more than that. So what prompted you to pick that topic of how to position your veterinary practice during a recession? Well, my editor, Kate Zirkel from Vet Success, reached out to me and asked me to write an article about how things are going in my practice at the moment, what the current climate is. Are there any concerns that I have? Are we still facing difficult clients? Because I've written several articles about that. And the one thing that really stuck out to me was my specific concern about where the economy was headed. And I thought that if I was concerned about it, surely other people were as well. And you see all sorts of people asking about it on the VHMA, and I've had several conversations about it. So I thought from a you know non-economist perspective, perhaps I could share some reasonable tips that we could all apply if we're not already doing. There's a lot of new managers out there that this is an interesting time to jump into being the head of a business that might not be aware of some of the basics of going into a potential recession, you know, we've done it before, we'll get out of it again. And, you know, at the current moment, it's not even really being labeled as a recession. But at the time when I wrote this, it was a little frightening looking, and it's still not great either. So I wanted to just touch base on some of some of the things that would be reasonable things to be Mm -hmm. concerned about and steps to take. That's awesome. I mean, it's a great article. I recommend all of our listeners go check it out. Oh, thanks. For sure. So we've heard a lot about the I word, right? Inflation (laughs) and, you know, inflation is coming. Inflation is here. And it just sounds like this. I mean, it sounds like a pandemic, right? COVID is around the corner. And, uh, you know, we, everybody has experienced high gas prices and you've looked at the price of milk and eggs. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And certainly people that have very little savings in their paycheck, you know, they're these people that literally live paycheck to paycheck. You're literally having to spend more than you have, right? If you haven't gotten a what is inflation? I think the last print was like eight or 9%. If you haven't gotten an eight or 9% raise, if it was a five or a three, you're literally behind, right? So right. inflation though is kind of an interesting concept. You know, if you YouTube videos on it, it kind of like one of, I think the easy ways to describe it is that, you know, a cup of coffee in 1930 was, you know, a, a nickel and now it's $7. But what exactly is inflation? And from our business, like our veterinary business perspective, what are some things we should do? And obviously, how do we kind of offset that? Because there is a, a money component to it. So how would you best describe it? And what steps are you taking at the practice to kind of counteract or combat inflation? So I think the easiest way to describe what inflation is, is really that it's just the rising cost of, of goods and services and the purchasing power of the dollar decreases in value because of it. And there's a couple of different things that can cause inflation. We could be talking about, you know, demand pull or cost push or built-in inflation. And right now we're kind of dealing with a little bit of all three. It's a matter of goods and services being, you know, their prices being driven up because they're in short supply. But at the same time, there are still people going and spending money on those things like gas. We still see people waiting at the gas station. So 
it's not changing any. These are there's multiple things that affect it. And we haven't really reached the point where people are not spending that money yet because there's still goods and services that that we need. So in the most basic way to explain it, it is the decreasing of the value purchasing power of a dollar based on the rising costs of goods and services. And that affects us in some frightening ways, really, because yes, our costs are they're going up like everybody else's. Shipping cost is a significant problem. Have you checked your invoices and noticed that there is now a fuel charge on a lot of our vendor bills? It's right there on the Covetris bill. And, you know, I, I've seen people get upset about it, but you can't blame them. They're also a business and they have to cover their costs. So you can complain all you want, but that's really no different than us being in the same situation. Right. You have to cover yeah. the cost. But the concern that I have is yes. If you are not matching up to inflation, you are you could be losing money. And you're right; it's, this is not your typical two to three percent increase per year that we deal with that keeps things in a steady line. But the other side of that is: Are we going to be in a position at some point where we price ourselves out of service? It's something that we've heard Karen Felstead talk about before. And when is that line? We don't know. Do we? jump up our prices a huge chunk at a time? Do we spread it out quarterly? Or do we attack it from two angles and really, really, really tighten down expenses so that we're trying to find the same profit margin without pricing people out of our services? You know, remember in 2020, we had the concerns of people are losing jobs, unemployment is so high. Are people going to look at the dog and be like, well, I could pay the mortgage or I could take you in and get your ears checked out. Maybe I'll just wash them with peroxide right now and skip the bed. See what happens. Yeah. Right. Right. And, you know, that's certainly always a possibility. But if we price ourselves too high, we could be driving that quicker than it might naturally come. Yeah. And I like your comment about are we taking this from two different angles then where we're not just increasing revenue through price increases, but looking at our expenses as well. And and can we cut our expenses other places to help offset that? Because I do think it's, there's two parts to that, right? Well, there's several parts to that multimodal approach because there's there's more things involved with that too, right? Right, right. And I'm not saying it's time to start cutting hours and cutting jobs and all of those things. That is never something I want to do, but it's a good time to make sure you're using your staff as efficiently as possible. That's right. Every once in a while, I swear, sometimes overtime just creeps up on that payroll and you're like, how the hell did that get there? Yeah, absolutely. Correct. Yeah. It just happens. Right. You know, right. It, happens. it just and, did. And, yep. and sometimes the best of us even even accidentally do it when we're trying to cover for people and everybody's on vacation and somebody's not with oh, COVID yeah. for five days and whatnot. Right. And all of a sudden you've got this sure. chunk of overtime. And, you know, my thought has always been if you are willing to stay and help us so that we're not you know, eyeballs deep and backed up appointments, I'm happy to pay you a little bit of overtime, but we've really got to be careful with that. And I think it's creeped up a little more in some places than it has in the past, just because of some of the staffing. Yeah, organically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are things we can clamp down on. Are we using our staff in the most efficient places? Are we using them to drive sources of revenue? Are they calling lapsing patients? That's certainly a way we can do it. Is there a more efficient way that we can run things? You know, certainly, yes, are our services priced appropriately, but the expense part of it is just as big as making sure things are priced appropriately. And then when we talk about 
actually increasing those prices, it's truly up to, you know, up to you what you want to do. If you are the quarterly increase kind of person and you've been moving it up slowly all along, it's going to seem probably a little bit less shocking to people. And then again, it may not, because if you have the same person, if you got somebody comes in month to month, they're going to see an increase for, you know, chronic case or something yeah, like that. But exactly. if you yeah, have an yeah. annual, exactly. But if you have an annual exam person, they're going to see you this year, they're going to see you next year. Right. That's a big jump for them. So right. I think you need to just kind of tailor it to what your clientele is used to, as long as you are not too far behind where you're really losing your revenue right now. Yeah. Meg, I want to circle back to a couple things that you had said earlier and David had said as well. And one of them was you had said, you know, at the time that you wrote the article and maybe it was two months ago, right? And so is it timely in the sense of how can it be outdated already? And, and, and David had mentioned, you know, the inflation and how it keeps going up and up and up. So to me, those are polar opposites when we say we have huge inflation and then here we have coming a recession coming. Like that means that, prices are going up. And like David mentioned, there's not enough money left in the paycheck for either our employees or honestly, our clients either, right? To be spending money then at our practices for these services. And if we're also participating in covering our costs through increasing our prices, then let's talk a little bit about how do we offset some of this when we have just our regular like and David mentioned it, 3% price increase to cover, you know, which is kind of like our, our traditional, mm-hmm. what we've done, raise those prices 3% every year. So this is completely different, right? Our inflation is eight or 9% right now. We need to raise our prices and yet be conscientious of what's going on and still note that timely. Yes, it's not quite called a recession yet, but is that what's coming? And if not this month, what about two months from now? So talk a little bit about how and what do you think is appropriate as far as timely for our listeners in the next two months or maybe in the next six months? Like what's timely and how can we look at some pricing as far as increasing our revenue? Can we just do the regular 3% or do you think that we need to have a different approach or a more sensitive approach to that? I think for my personal needs, (laughs) my facility where I feel comfortable is that we, I'm not comfortable doing just 3%. I did it. I, I can't remember what percentage early in the year because I've already I'm already going on to a second price raise, but I've done it in smaller chunks. I don't know what's going to happen. I think at least at this point, I'm probably up to at least seven percent from the beginning of the year, and it'll probably happen again. So for me, it's a gradual chunk kind of thing. I don't know what two months is going to bring. I don't think the economists know what two months is going to bring, but I think it's. Oh, come on, get out that little magic eight ball of yours and be like, hey, so what's happening next week? (laughs) If only. Right. But I think we have to err on the side of caution that we should just be really prepared with our careful expenses and our going up of prices. I think there isn't a magic number. I think it's about having a strategic plan and continually reassessing where you are in your income and expenses? Where is your revenue? Is it shrinking, growing? Is it staying on point? How much farther ahead do you want to get? How far behind are you comfortable falling back? I don't even want to say that, but I do know several people that are too afraid to increase prices because they're afraid they're going to lose clientele and start seeing decline services. That's a real fear. It is. Yeah, I agree. I would agree. Yeah. 
And if that's the decision that you want to make as a practice owner, then that's the decision you want to make. But you need to make an educated decision and know what the outcomes are, the possible risks are of that. Yeah, so I different think as strategy. Long as you, mm-hmm. Exactly. I think you have to have a strategy. I think that's the big, the big thing. The big takeaway is that you need to sit with your practice owner, practice managers and owners need to sit together, have a hard look at your numbers and expenses, figure out where you're going and decide what route you're going to take. Don't just ignore it. Don't just assume it's going to go away or you'll get better and you'll just wing it by the you know seat of your pants. I do not think that's a good idea. So if you are going to increase prices, you better damn well make sure that your clients are seeing the value of your service. We always Amen. talk about- Say it again for the people <laughs> in the back. Amen. You know, we love value-based pricing and everybody's got their own pricing structures and how they raise their, their fees and how they calculate that. But if in the end, if the client's don't see the value. If there's not a good value proposition, you're yeah. going to hear more complaints and you're going to see more decline. You know, Mark Opperman's always said people complain about price in the absence of value. And he's right. He's absolutely right. Yeah. So let's switch so, gears a little bit that and talk about yeah. how handling conversations with clients about price increases, especially for people that are already strapped, knowing full well that again, going back to what David said, you know, there's not enough money left in their paychecks for veterinary services. So how are we right. handling these conversations with clients? Well, it's a little awkward, isn't it? Because we're in the same boat and they're in the same boat, but they don't necessarily see it that way. So I think that it's not just about the conversation. It's about what we can offer them as well. So it's perfectly fine to say, I totally understand that you have concerns about costs. We do as well. And yes, we do need to raise our fees so that we can continue to offer an appropriate level of care for your pet. But remember that it's always our job to make a best recommendations for your pet and your job to decide what's within your budget. And we will do the best to come up with a treatment plan that's appropriate to work within your budget. And please know that instead of just raising prices, we are also constantly trying to find ways to become a more efficient practice so that we can keep our prices at an affordable level for people. And I think it's also important if you're not offering an alternative payments system, and I'm not talking about billing people, I am not an accounts receivable supporting person. That is not me. But I do think it's appropriate to offer things like care credit and scratch pay and other opportunities. Yeah, sure. Alternative services. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you're stressed. I understand. We're stressed too. We're still doing the best we can and nobody's, you know, nobody is wrong. I like, I do like to mention the part about we try really hard to be as efficient as possible and mm-hmm. maintain our expenses reasonably so that they see it from our perspective too. Yeah. So they don't see it as we're just it. yeah. A yeah. Big bowl hand out. Just, right. Throw in mm-hmm. the money in our big bowl and we just run with it. Like, no, we're just dumping yeah. out the bowl in the back for right. expenses. Right. So but you really need to train your staff to have those kind of conversations because mm-hmm. most staff tends to be uncomfortable with a regular estimate right. money. Right, exactly. And now they're feeling the burn as well. Our staff is going to the gas tank and yeah, going right. to store once they see the numbers. Yeah. So now they're going to feel extra bad when they present somebody with a four hundred dollars. Yeah, payment. right. So it's a lot yeah. of education and instructing on conversations to be had with your team it's members fun. to make yeah. sure you're sending the right message. Right. It's funny you say that because that was leading into like my next thought, which was you mentioned fuel prices. So we're talking about COGS, right? You've got your Mm -hmm. supplies, drugs, all of those, those, the costs of the, of the medications themselves might take 
an increase from the from the manufacturer distributor whatever but then you also have right. an additional maybe you call it sgna but like fuel expenses relating to that and and all of those mm-hmm. sorts of things you know all of the other kind of white goods and all these other things that are just even you know a 99 cent you know pack of paper towels could go up to a dollar 10 and that's just it is a real cost but our staff go to fill up their tank or they go to buy food and they realize that you know they and, and this is like really what literally happens is they open up a credit card or they open up another credit card because they can't pay and they put that not all of our staff hopefully but some people that are certainly in in certain economic brackets they're like, you know, I have a, you know, I don't know, 750 in my paycheck or whatever it is. And my expense is going out or 825, right? It's like, how do you make up that difference? So then they come to you, right? And they are pretty shrewd these days because of YouTube and TikTok <laughs> and, you know, all the things. And so they say inflation is 8%. I need an 8% raise, which is interesting because it just actually gets them neutral, right? It doesn't actually get, you know, allow them any savings. So right. that creates labor costs, which goes up, which eats into our our profit as well. So how do you tackle that as a practice manager from that kind of, you know, 30,000 foot view and down into the, how you have those conversations with your staff? So the kind of non-budgeted, you know, price increases, I mean, I'm sure you may or may not do a budget every year, but I get the feeling you might, or at least you think about that. So you probably will bake <laughs> in some amount of money. You're like, hey, people are going to need raises. So we'll do that. But this is very different, <clears> right? <throat> Most people don't get eight or 9% raises every year. So how do you kind of handle this, the labor drain on your profit in your expense? And then like, what's reasonable these days and what's really generous and how do you decide between the two? Yeah, so that's built in inflation right there, right? The employee asking the employer for more wages because they're suffering from inflation too. And our option is to do nothing or raise our prices to give them a raise to keep our same profit margin, right? I mean, that just feeds, that's the third type of inflation right there. And I think that you really need to, if you're not open book management with your staff, man, now is the time to start. They, yeah, they, right. They don't Absolutely. know. They really don't yeah, know. you're right. I like to tell the staff every year what we pay in employment taxes alone. And the number is horrifying. So it makes these conversations a little bit easier once they already have an idea of the take-home profit of a veterinary hospital, even a profitable one, is not what they think it is. And I don't disagree with giving cost-of-living raises or raises in this kind of situation. I really don't. But if you're going to do it, you need to budget it in. And who was it? I think Terry O'Neill just did a great VHMA webinar and had a calculator for yes. Building in wage, you know, yes. wage, uh, yeah. wages. That's fantastic. It just tells you how to do it. But you have to budget in for it. And it's got to come from somewhere. The money has to come from somewhere. So unless you have a practice owner that is kind enough to take a hit on their own profitability mm-hmm. at the end of the year, and some of them do exist, yeah, you got to get it from somewhere. So that mm-hmm. has to be factored in to how you're planning on increasing your prices for the next year, two years or so, however, mm-hmm. whatever your strategic plan is. And as far as what's generous and what's reasonable, boy, that's a really variable question. Are you looking at a practice that has five staff members or one that has 50? Because <laughs> that adds up real fast. Right. And what is your actual profitability? Do mm-hmm. you have a profit that's good enough to take a little bit of a dent in the margin? How far are you going to raise those prices? I also think it's how far off are your prices right now from where they should be? To be able to calculate a raise in there. Or even wages. Like sometimes our wages are way off. And so we have to correct that. 
for whatever reason, right? The same thing. Yeah. There's a lot of metrics looking at it involved that you're going to have to get down and dirty with some metrics and figure out where you are profitability wise, where your prices are, where's your profit margin, where are your wages? What are people making? Are that is that a reasonable, fair wage for what they do? And then you're going to have to sit down and figure out what you want to do. But I think as far as what's fair and what's really generous is going to depend on all of those things. So it's a little hard to say, and especially the size of the staff too, because if you want to be generous with five staff members, that's going to be a hell of a lot easier than it is with 50. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of information sure. you're going to have to sit down and, and make some hard decisions about. And there are really, really generous practice owners out there that are willing to take less of a year for themselves if they think it's going to help their staff. Let's talk a little bit about economic slowdowns. And I want to touch on this because I feel like over COVID, we were so busy. We didn't know which way up and down was, right? There were so many new clients. There was so much volume that we were completely overwhelmed. So fast forward two years later, two and a half years later, here we are in this and we're starting to hear things like recession. And I think we're finally starting to be able to pump the brakes on some of this craziness that's ensued from from post-COVID. And I think because we were so busy before that people are starting to tell me, and I, I hear the buzz about, well, we're slowing down. And I think, well, good, finally, let's breathe, right? But <laughs> <laughs> I think we forgot where we were right pre-COVID, right? So oh, I agree. In the case of an economic slowdown, if we start to see some drop in visits here and some, our appointment calendars aren't as full as we used to see them, oh my gosh, thank God there's finally an opening, right? But let's say we're starting to not have them as full as we used to be and people aren't necessarily approving all the treatment plans that we're sending out. Maybe they're starting to trim back a little bit about that. What are some of the steps that we can take as managers in order to either be prepared for this or to try to... I don't know, make, make some, build in some safety nets there. Well, I think there's probably a few things that you could do, you know, from a strictly financial aspect, there are financial advisors that do recommend having several different types of checking accounts. And one of them being sort of a slush fund where you have, you know, two to three months of bills, money covered in there, just in case you have a situation like this. If you haven't started that, it's, not going to help you right now very much. You can certainly start now and start putting away, you know, X amount of hindsight. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) right. Exactly. Is it too late to start? No. Is it going to help you in this situation? No, but that's okay. So if you haven't put a slush fund in place, but even if you have, are you still doing you know, the things, remember when we used to do things like call people with lapsing clients? Right. We actually picked up the phone and called people and said, come on in. Your Did pets anybody do. do that in the past two years? God, no, I no, hope not. Are you kidding? No, <laughs> no way. No. You know, at that point, we're like, Jesus, stop calling. It's a little difficult because, yeah, it looks like we're slowing down and we're seeing a drop in new clients. We're seeing a drop in, you know, some of the other metrics as well. But is that going to plateau off? Is it going to plateau off where it was before COVID? Is it going to go further? It's a little tough to say. As we go back to some level of normal, which I don't even know if we can ever say that again, we probably should start doing those things that we probably haven't done in two years, like getting lapsing patients on the Mm -hmm. phone. Yes, right. Bumping up our client education big time, bump up our marketing, do what we can. And again, always go heavy, heavy, heavy on the client education, especially when you're going over estimates and then offering alternative payment solutions for people. 
so that they're still they still might decline but they're making Mm -hmm. an educated decision and you did the best they can and you offered them an alternative way to pay for it but this is going to be the time where we go back to some of those old things that we used to do pre-COVID when we mm-hmm. actually had time. Remember when people would say things right. like, oh, it's a slow day this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, right. I'd run the report. And then we'd say yeah. something like, oh, God, don't say that. You'll jinx us. And, yeah. <laughs> right. We don't do that right. anymore. Now we're begging word. for those days. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I don't know exactly where we're going to slow to. There's, I mean, obviously, the, the decline is clear. It's, it's on the Insider Report every month. But I think that we just have to do all of the backup things that we used to do that some of us maybe have right. gotten away from mm-hmm. during the heat of COVID. Sure. And uh, how many practices and practice managers can honestly say that the customer service that they offer right now is better than it was pre-COVID? Right. 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 I, like, yeah. honestly, we, if you were called and the value. on it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's a real good time to get those things in line as well, mm-hmm, especially as mm-hmm. people are starting to make decisions of, do I skip the vet this year? Right. Or right. do I decline half the blood work on this estimate? So mm-hmm. things that we really used to do that we walked away from. Right. That makes sense. And then budget in, if you can, budget in some extra money for the rainy day. Oh, crap. There's a recession fund. Right. Which would have been helpful in COVID. As yeah. Well. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So on the Positive Leadership Podcast, we always like to make sure that we leave our listeners with some really actionable items. And so what are one or two really good action items that our listeners could start, you know, literally tomorrow? I mean, we record these on Fridays, we release them on Wednesdays. So Thursday morning, 8am, you know, one or two things that our managers could do to basically protect against this economic downturn. I would say that if you have not assessed and measured your your metrics as far as just your general practice metrics and your income to expense sit down and look at those numbers right now gather them look at them analyze them find the weaknesses and start working on it because how can you potentially plan for an issue that's coming or that's here if you don't know about it so it's all great to talk about all of the other things, but if you don't know where you stand now, how are you going to make a strategic plan to survive? So that's one thing I would do. And then the second thing, as far as another actionable item, I would watch and listen to every single financial webinar, podcast, whatever that you can, because there's a lot of good information out there. There are web, I mean, check, look in your email every day that we're getting things about financial boot camp and preparing for a recession and lessons learned from last recession. That's great information out there. And you're going to find a lot of education in it. And you're going to find a lot of different opinions. But you'll also see a lot of the same opinions. And then you can decide which way you want to go. But you have to start gathering all that information and reach out to people in the VHA community that are really into that kind of thing. There's somebody on the VHMA I reach out to every single time I have an economic question. And I'll reach out and say, am I reading this right? Is this heading where I think it's having, heading and talk about it? But utilize the people and the education around you because, and continue to do so because it's a ton of great information that's going to help guide you along what is potentially a very bumpy road ahead. Fantastic. I love it. Thank and for you God's so sake, if you don't have a budget, make a budget. Get one. Right. Start with that. <laughs> Meg, if you could give one piece of advice to our listeners, what would it be? 
oh lord imposter syndrome is real for new managers for seasoned managers who are learning new things for managers who have things like recessions and pandemics thrust upon them and are suddenly trying to come to terms with that and handle all of this information and figure out what the hell to do with it and how to make a plan it's a real thing but there are other people out there with you that are going through the exact same thing and you need to connect with those people whether that be through a community like the VHMA whether that be through a couple practice manager friends you might know across the country or even a local managers group utilize your community for everything everything support growth humor when you're feeling down these practice managers it's a really lonely role at times especially if you're the only manager in the clinic people don't know what you go through and what your responsibilities are and what you're struggling with and not in a bad way you know it could be something as simple as i'm trying to put together that budget that she told me to put together and i have no idea what the hell i'm doing and i read it in a book and it still makes no sense reach out to someone People have done it. People can help you through it. So just whatever you are facing, immerse yourself in your community before you need them so that they're there and just allow other people to support you because you're not alone. And imposter syndrome, it pops up, you know, five, 10 years in and it's terrible when you're a new manager and it can make a lot of people feel like I am not qualified to be in this position. And that's, that's a terrible feeling to have. So make friends, get in the community, utilize everybody for help and support. Absolutely. And I want to plug really quick, Meg, on the on the back end of that, the VHMA. We're having our annual conference here coming up next month in September in Orlando. And for any of you that are feeling imposter syndromes, reach out to the VHMA. If you've got the CE money, get to the conference. You will meet a ton of like-minded individuals that will help support you through that imposter syndrome. Uh, feelings. And like Meg said, get a network and that's a great way to do it. If you can't get to the conference, become a VHMA member and look on the member connect. And there's a whole bunch of us there that are, you know, ready, willing, and able to support you. So thank you for that, Meg. I appreciate that. Definitely. So I'm going to ask you about one of those encounters where maybe it was with a client or an employee or even a practice owner Whatever it was, or in the moment, like your chin hit the ground, your palm went to your forehead, your eyes popped out of your head like a little pug, and you said to yourself, no <laughs> freaking way this just happened. You seriously cannot make this shit up. Tell me your story. Oh, sweet mother of God. I terminated my first employee nearly 10, 11 years ago. No, 10 years ago, maybe. and. I knew that it was going to be a potentially explosive experience, but I was not prepared for the dramatic situation that unfolded. <laughs> oh, God. I brought at the time, she's my assistant practice manager now, but she was my head technician at the time. And I said, I need you to be present for this. You know, always have somebody with you to write down, document, and be witness, and blah, blah, blah. We all know. And let her know that. It should not be a surprise to her that I am terminating her employment as of today due to the behavioral issues that we've been consistently having problems with, trying to work with, failure to improve on it. And she went off. <laughs> she, oh, wow. You know, and I try to not really engage. I, I Nobody likes firing people and you try to not engage with it so that it just doesn't go out of 
control, but I, I didn't even have to say anything. It went on its own. And she began arguing with me and mm. and not understanding, which, you know, it happens. That's not unheard of. That's, yeah, that's right. not the bad part. The, the dramatic part is when she stomped up front to get her purse, which normally I'll go get those things for them, mm -hmm. and sat in the reception chair, picked up the phone, and called her mother from my reception desk, <sighs> shouting into the phone that oh I my fired gosh. her for medical issues. Oh, so, my Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. I was like, get off that phone now. <laughs> and then proceeded to take a garbage bag and walk around the clinic and shove shit what? in the bag that I didn't even know <gasps> she had around the clinic. Oh, oh my God. It, it was all her belongings, but they were just, you know, everywhere. She moved in at some point. Wow. <laughs> I had used some examples of things that she had, had done to really cement the situation for me. And one of the things was, you know, the way you had that conversation with that person the other day. Well, on the way out, she saw that person standing in the lab working and she went, and I'm sorry about that. And everyone's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Oh and I had to God. be like, you have to leave. You need right. to leave the building. Wow. So she leaves the building and I sit down and I'm like, Jesus, what <laughs> just happened? <laughs> Uh, and then a receptionist comes to me and says oh no. she's back in the building. <gasps> oh no! Exam room because I didn't know what to do. Oh my okay, god! Okay, <laughs> well we're going back in. <laughs> so I go, round wow. two. Oh we go back god. in and it yeah. just keeps going. And well, I want copies of my record and I want this and I'm going to pursue oh legal action. Blah 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 blah. Right. Finally, get her to leave again. The doorbell at the loading dock no. rings. She's at the door. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh the determination that won't quit. Right. Three times. So finally oh. ended that and she left. And then she proceeded to call the practice and leave oh, messages no. for me to call her for two weeks straight. Oh, oh my and gosh. Also had a client who she was previously pet sitting for a call <sighs> to try to get her job back. Oh. So gosh. it was uh, wow. I just a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. What? It was a little surprising because I knew it was not going to be good, but I had no idea that it would be good. <laughs> it just kept coming. Right. I had to tell her, oh, I'm like, I am gosh. no longer calling you back. I, right. I can't, you cannot do this. You have to stop. Yeah. So it was, wow. uh, yeah, that was definitely up there. For One me. for the books. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Hey, Andrea here. Have you seen our social media pages? Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on our website, www.positiveleaders.com. And if you like what you see there, be sure to give Rhonda and Linda a shout out over at Dog Days Consulting. They do all of our social media management. They even built our website. Those ladies can work some creative magic for your business and your brand. Check them out on Facebook at Dog Days Consulting or visit their website at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. So at this point in the show, we're going to go into the rapid fire. Tell me about your most epic failure that has left a lasting impact. Not terminating a toxic employee in my young leadership because I was convinced that I could change their behavior. Tell me about your proudest moment. Passing my CVPM. Why veterinary medicine? What do you love about our profession? Well, like I said, I, I got into it because my mother was in it. And then I erratically said I would never stay in it. But I truly do love 
the business side of it. Self-care, how do you practice it? How do you decompress? (laughs) Not very well. I actually find much more relaxation and much more satisfaction in actually being productive. How do you balance work and life? And do you experience work guilt in that balance? I really do not experience work guilt. And I am extremely, extremely lucky that my practice owner is an amazing person. And not only does she allow me to be as flexible that I need to be to. What keeps you up at night that you stress out over or things that cause you anxiety in your life? I can honestly say very little. What gets you up and out of bed in the morning? What excites you to start your day? My children and coffee. What (laughs) color are you? I would probably say I was some olivey green color. If you could pick an animal that best describes you, what animal would that be and why? Probably something small and hyper. Some small, exotic, hyper creatures. You know, what's the next thing? What are we doing? I, I suppose that would be me. What is that weird thing from those stupid Ice Age movies with the big teeth? Probably be that thing. <laughs> I was thinking a squirrel, always busy collecting squirrel, nuts. Right. Yeah, always looking yes, around, yep. climbing yes, up trees, so doing things. Prehistoric squirrel in that. There you go. I was thinking. <laughs> yep, that'll work. Awesome. Well, Meg, this has been so Thank great. You, Meg. Thank you for coming this was great. on. Appreciate oh, you coming on. Thanks for on. having me. It was fun. For all the positive leaders listening out there, we hope you learned something to take back to your practice to put into use tomorrow. We want to hear from you, good, bad, and everything in between. So email us at positiveleaders at gmail.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. Want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast? Email us. Want to have your You Can't Make This Shit Up story featured? Email us. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Positive Leadership Podcast. And be sure to rate us check out our website at www.positiveleaders.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. And as always, catch us on all the socials. This is Andrea. And David. Signing off until next time. Stay happy and sane. The Positive Leadership Podcast is solely for informational purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided in this podcast are general in nature, and such information, statements, comments, views, and opinions, and the receipt of this podcast by any listener are not intended to be and should not be construed as the provision of any business advice. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers and guests, are those of Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and their guests only, may not be current, and do not represent the statements, comments, views, and opinions of any other person or business entity. Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and or the Positive Leadership Podcast do not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage of any kind whatsoever, is expressly disclaimed.